This afternoon, we're going to be continuing in our walk through the book of Hebrews here as we are um, in the home stretch. If you take a look at the book, we are very near the end. Uh, today, we're going to be focusing in on verse 18 and 19 uh, with focus, uh, understanding that uh, we're almost there, probably another month or so, and we will be done, Lord willing, and we'll be on to our next book in the Bible which is not in necessarily canonical order, uh, but just so you're aware, what we'll be doing next is, if you remember, a couple summers ago, uh, we did a Minor Prophet series, uh, continued Keith's Minor Prophet series, and walked through Obadiah. We're going to go ahead and spend some time in the next book there in the Minor Prophets, in the book of Jonah. So, um, and then after that, we'll probably move on to another Old Testament book, Ecclesiastes. So, I'm challenging myself with these. So, let's give attention to God's Word in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13. Let's go ahead and hear once again uh, the chapter. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever 
and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. Let us pray. Our Father, here, having heard your word, we ask that you would take this, your word, and plant it deep within us. We ask that you would mold us and form us. We ask that you would reveal to us from your word, Christ, afresh to us. Help us that we might understand that which we believe. Help us, O Father, that we might believe. Strengthen and increase our faith. Guide this preacher. Help him, O Lord, as he preaches your word. To be true to your word so that which he declares is indeed your word. Would you chain him to the text of your word that he might freely declare that truth? Help him to be clear that we can all understand. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we've been walking through this section of looking at growing in the greater than, which really began back in chapter 12, much of it uh, reinforcing the idea of who is the source of our growth, our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, with the idea that we are called upon to pursue the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. That holiness is an absolute perfect holiness. That holiness is the one which is counted to us on our behalf through Jesus Christ and his righteousness, and we are called upon to pursue that holiness. And along with that, as part of that, pursuing peace with all men. And much of what follows is an explanation of that in terms of our growth in him. Remembering that we, while we are weak, he is strong. And it is in our weakness that God reveals himself. We've seen the importance of loving one another and being hospitable to strangers and standing and, and thinking and praying in solidarity with those who are suffering for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ, honoring marriage in all of its respects, as well as being content with that which we have, not being gripped by the love of money, which is the root of all kinds of evil from First Timothy chapter 6. Remembering that's not something that came out of the hippies, that came out of 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we can say that the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. We, we saw the importance of remembering our leaders, in particular in that section, speaking about those leaders who had been there before, who had declared the word to them, spoken of in the past tense, meaning they have gone. They're either no longer there or maybe they have been persecuted for the faith or they got old or got sick and died. Either way, they're no longer there and called upon to remember the outcome of their faith and to imitate that. And then we saw the importance of holding to that teaching, 
remembering that we indeed have something far greater than that anything else that can come before us. But that is it is outside the camp. It is in a place that is regarded by the foolishness of the world as a place of to be despised. But in Christ Jesus, it is the most glorious thing that there is. For in it, we have access to God. And then we saw the importance of obeying our leaders and submitting to them. We looked at, first of all, who these leaders are. These are not speaking of civil authorities, nor are they speaking of uh, employment authorities or even parental authority. Although God's law says we are to obey all of them. But this is referring specifically to those leaders whom God has placed in the life of his church as the elders, the overseers, the pastors, all three of them referring to the same basic uh, office. The office of elder functions in overseeing as well and shepherding God's people. And that they function as those who keep watch over our souls. God has given given the gift of elders for the purpose of watching over our our souls our spiritual health and thus submitting to the teaching inasmuch as it is true to God's word inasmuch as it is true to what to the true confession of God's word we submit to it remembering also the lane in which elders are called to walk elders are not uh are not experts, unless, of course, they already are, but they're even then, even the office of elder, they're not experts in how to fix a car. Elders are not, uh, sty- are not experts in style, telling us what color of socks we must wear or what job we must take or the best way that a family, the only way that a family should educate uh, its children. Pastors can give wisdom and guidance, but unless God's word speaks something, then the pastor cannot bind a conscience to such a thing. That in obeying them and submitting to leaders, we also help them that they might carry out their job with joy, knowing it would be of no advantage to us if our leaders are burdened and distressed because we have made their lives hard and difficult. Today we're talking about a continuation of the idea, and Paul, or the author here, I almost said Paul there, uh, the author here uh, switches gears a little bit and, and speaks instead of the third person, switches to the first person. Third person being he, she, or it, obey your leaders. And now switches to pray, to an idea of pray, prayer, but continues with pray for us. And I would argue that this is a continuation of relationship to leaders in the church, in part because this author clearly has some respected level of leadership in the church, maybe having been one who brought them the gospel or one who had been a pastor there and is no longer there. It could be someone who is in chains somewhere. We do not know, but one of the, one of the important ways that uh, we seek, the, seek to help our leaders in submitting, obeying, and helping them 
that they might carry out their duties well and oversee our and oversee our souls well is to go before them and to go before the Lord in prayer. On fifth Sundays, that is months in which we have five Sundays, on that fifth Sunday, we have been doing an occasional series walking through prayer. And we've seen the importance of prayer. Prayer is a very difficult thing. It's hard. It is hard work. Sometimes physically. Some, there's no position in which a person needs to be to pray, a physical position per se. Some people prefer to pray on their knees. Some people, as they get older, look at the idea of getting on their knees to pray and say, I don't know if I'll ever pray again if that's how I have to pray. I'm one of those. But it is hard work. It's difficult. Going before the Lord and seeking that we might uh, cast our cares upon him, knowing that he cares for us. When we look through the book of Acts, some of the things that we see early on in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, that when they were in, in the upper room, they were praying together. And when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, they were in one accord, likely praying with one another. One of the things that the disciples in Luke chapter 11, they came before the Lord and one thing they asked of him was teach us to pray, indicating that they observed Jesus praying and wanted to know how to pray. And that's in the gospel of Luke where he gave the disciples prayer. We look in the book of Acts and we can see several circumstances in Acts chapter 4. The apostles had been had experienced persecution and it went before the Lord and they asked that the Lord might give them boldness to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and that his power might come and they went out and proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ in boldness. We also see when Peter, an early leader in the church, Peter was imprisoned and he was set to be executed and they were together in a home and they were praying they were praying earnestly one way of translating is stretched outedly but they were praying earnestly together seeking that peter might be delivered and lo and behold peter was freed from that prison through a miraculous means and he showed up at the door of the prayer meeting and they saw him and they said, this can't be you. But we see prayer as an important part of the Christian life. When we went through 1 Peter chapter 5, and he had given, and he given, given various different exhortations, he had told, said he exhorted the elders to carry out their um, responsibilities well with joy, not under compulsion and not as uh, cruel tyrants. <clears throat> and following that, he said, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He says, humble yourselves. And then immediately after that, in verse seven, he gives an ing word, continuing the idea, casting all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. 
casting all your anxieties on him. That the posture of humility there, a posture of humility there is regarded as prayer. And does not obedience to someone whom God has placed in authority in our lives uh, demand of us humility. For it's acknowledging that someone God has given someone else for our good. And so we must pay heed to the good things that are said and that are taught and that are instructed. It requires humility. As a, both in age and in terms of my time as a Christian, as a young Christian, of course, I guess with some of you I might still be young, but when I was in my early 20s, I, I was given a book by, a dear, by a, a someone who uh, uh, I haven't had contact with in several years, but at the time was a very dear friend. He gave me a book about an, a missionary in India who had been laboring there for a long time. His name was John Hyde, and he was known as Praying Hyde. And he was known for spending hours and hours a day in prayer and asking the Lord that he might give him one soul a day to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And in that book, he recounts an occasion where there was one particular co-laborer with whom he was a little bit put out because he didn't feel that that co-laborer was being zealous enough or eager enough or things like that. And he was grumbling about it. And he said, you know, I'm spending my time grumbling here. I think maybe I should spend my time praying for the man. So he went to the Lord in prayer for the man. And overnight, his attitude towards him changed. Last week, I mentioned a story where uh, I had encountered someone who was complaining about uh, their pastor Complaining because their pastor always seems to be tired and exhausted. And that he frequently has to cancel appointments. And said, I don't know that this man is qualified. And I very rarely will respond to such a thing in terms of because it was uh, um, virtual. But I responded because I felt in solidarity with that poor pastor. And I told, I told him, I said, you have no idea what he is facing. In addition to his preaching responsibilities, he is probably getting phone calls, hospital visitations, emergencies that take priority over some scheduled meetings. And who knows what might be going on at home. Who knows the burdens that his family carries that he has to deal with? And I suggested that two things. I suggested that rather than complaining, three things. Rather than complaining, that he go to him and say, how can I help? Secondly, that he go to the Lord in prayer. And thirdly, that he give a place for weakness and read a book by the same name. By Michael Horton. And so when it comes to those whom God has placed in our lives as our, uh, over, as our spiritual overseers, as our elders, that is no exception when it comes to the importance of 
prayer. Charles Spurgeon, early on in his uh, time at what eventually became known as the Metropolitan Tabernacle, then it was the pulpit at New New Park Street, Uh, a couple years into his ministry there as the pastor, he preached from this passage and he said, My people, shall I ever lose your prayers? Will ye ever cease your supplications? Will ye then ever cease to pray? I fear ye have not uttered so many prayers this morning as ye should have done. I fear there has not been so much earnest devotion as might have been poured forth. For my own part, I have not felt the wondrous power I sometimes experience. Meaning that essentially what he was saying, if you wish for me to faithfully minister the word of God to you, to faithfully preach the truth, to faithfully in the counseling chambers, to faithfully in other avenues provide godly and provide biblical and truthful, which is truthful, spiritual oversight of our souls, we must be praying for our elders who are pastors and who are overseers or bishops. We must be praying for them that the Lord might help them to carry out such things. This author who clearly knows God's word, who clearly has a grasp of God, the history of redemption, expresses his need for prayer, which is an expression of humility. Pray for us. We need you to go to the Lord on our behalf that that we might carry out our duties well, that we might carry out that to which we are held to account well and with great ways and faithfulness. As he mentions, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. But they're sure that they have doing, been, uh, not have been deceitful and not have been wrongfully carrying out the ministry. And part of that is asking for prayer that they might continue doing so. The relationship of the two would indicate that. John Owen comments, he acknowledges that the prayers of the humblest saints may be useful to hear this great author. When we look through the, the epistles of the Apostle Paul, well, as we've mentioned, we don't know who the author of this text was. The book of Hebrews, many have said it is the Apostle Paul because of its content, uh, but the text doesn't tell us, it doesn't give us an introduction, so we can't speculate on that. But the very fact that this author is closely associated with Timothy would indicate it's someone who is connected in some way with Paul or Paul's group or something like that. But when we look at the uh, New Testament letters from Paul's letters, say 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11, He says, you must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Here, how does this great apostle Paul say that you, the the, uh, Corinthian believers, 
can help them. You can help us by prayer. And, and there specifically is praying that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. What is that blessing granted to them? That blessing granted to them is the proclamation of Jesus Christ, the faithful carrying out of ministry to God's people there when new churches are started through the prayers of many. One thing that when missionaries go and raise their support, their financial support, one thing that the ones, the, those missionaries whom I really um, appreciate will say is they will ask before they would ask for any finances or help. They will say, what I need most of all from you is prayer for this and prayer for that knowing that God is the source in Christ Jesus of our help and of our aid. And so praying that they might be able to advance and declare Jesus Christ, that many might be blessed through that, and that many might be giving thanks on behalf of that. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19 as part as the closing statements on the famous passage on the armor of God. And he says, Ephesians 6, verse 19. So in verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Here the Apostle Paul is asking for prayer that he might be able to have the words to declare the gospel when it is needed. And not only in the opening of his mouth, but that it might be opened with boldness. That is, to not shy away from the opportunity out of fear of man. And that particular thing, to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. We can pray for those whom God has given us as elders and pastors, as bishops. Again, the same thing that they might have the words given, that they might be bold in proclamation publicly and privately. That we would not be afraid to deal with things that need to be dealt with in the, in, in the ministry which is given. And ultimately, that in all things the gospel would be proclaimed. Ministry of elders is a ministry of word and prayer. And in that word, it is a ministry of the gospel. That is fundamentally that which the church, us, Redeeming Grace Church, has been given. We have been given the gospel. 
and the ministry of the elders is that of the proclamation of the gospel. The law and the gospel. And, it's, and we often view that, well, that's, yeah, just so we can get people converted. Oh, my brothers and sisters, it's not just so that we can get people converted. Every single Christian needs to hear that sweet old story that Jesus Christ has come, that he has lived, that he has died, and that he has risen, that he has ascended, and that he is returning. Every Christian needs to hear that, for we lose sight of that. And how often we get lost in despair, and how often we get lost in, in pain because we forget that gospel. Or we get lost in success because we forget that gospel. We need to hear that message. And so pray that the, uh, your elders would proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ with boldness. And again, Colossians 4.3, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Paul was in prison for the sake of the gospel, and he is asking for this, that I, that a door to declare the word of Christ might be opened. That very word which got me in prison in the first place. That the Lord might open the door to continue doing the thing, doing the thing for which I got arrested. And so once again, there's a prayer built in there for boldness. There's a prayer built in there for opportunity. There's a prayer built up in there for taking up that opportunity. Even if it is costly. Even if it is something that is hard to do. And then again, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. That the word may go forth, that the word may go out. That it may speed ahead among all those to whom it is proclaimed, including in the members of our church. That the word might speed ahead in us and speed ahead from us. And there's other ways for which we need prayer. Elders, pastors, bishops need prayer. Obviously built in there, uh, mentioning the idea of the need for a clear conscience. As well as desiring to act honorably in all things. That, 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 that not only in their proclamation, but in the life and in their motives and what they do, they could be free from accusation. Now, Every single elder is not, no elder is going to be perfect and pure in his motivations. Even Paul said, I don't even know my own motivations. But that they might act honorably and might be free from accusation.
Here he suggests, uh, I would su- there's three different areas. R. Kent Hughes, again, last time R. Kent Hughes was very helpful in walking through some of the different things that elders deal with. And he suggests three different headings uh, for prayers for uh, pastors. Is that is, first of all, devotional. Secondly, for their domestic needs. And thirdly, for their pastoral care. He says professional. I don't like using the word professional for that. But for their pastoral care, for their pastoral responsibilities. First of all, for devotional. That is, the ministry of a pastor and an elder is as much a ministry to themselves as it is to the body of believers. That is a a, one of the reasons that pastors frequently, when Sunday's over and in the evening or come Monday morning, wonder whether or not they should continue in their ministry, wonder whether or not they should finally resign, is because we look at what we preached, we look at what we ministered, and we think, I'm an absolute and total fraud because we see our own sin. We see our own failures. And so a pastor is preaching as as much to themselves as they are to the body of believers, the rest of the body, meaning that we, that we ourselves might continue to be in the word, that we ourselves might continue to be in prayer, that the leaders might continue to be seeking the Lord and see themselves pursuing holiness and peace with all men, being examples for the body. As well as being true to the proclamation that says, rest in Christ that realizing how much of a fraud they are, because all of us are, would heed the instruction that is given of turn to Christ, receive his forgiveness, receive his life, would follow their own exhortations in that regard. So praying for their own devotional life. Secondly, praying for their domestic needs. That is their home life. Pray for the relationship between, between them and their, their wives, and their children if they have children, that they might faithfully carry out their lives as husbands. Also recognizing that elders are not free from are not free from the various different troubles that come along with home life. Not being able to find one's keys in the morning. Or worse yet, early on here, I couldn't find my Bible. I had no idea where it was. Because, you know, I usually use uh, electronic to read the Bible quite often. And, but I preach, I like to have this in front of me. And it's, uh, 
important to me. And I could not find it for the life of me. And I thought, I am not fit to be a pastor. I can't find my Bible. Well, it turns out I'd left it here. <laughs> or dealing with various different things going wrong in the household or dealing with the various different things that happen between husband and wife. Every single household deals with those. Pray that pastors might be able to be godly husbands and uphold their wives as well. A friend of mine in, in the Dallas area, he's a kind of a, he pastors a church, but he's also an advi- kind of serves as an, uh, as an advisor and a mentor to um, pastors in the um, uh, Southern Baptist of Texas Convention, and uh, in as much as they wish to be advised. And I remember one of his postings on social media when I was there, he, sa- he said, uh, every pastor goes on vacation knowing full well that someone might die and they might need to go back and conduct a funeral. Knowing the, knowing the, the unpredictable nature of pastoral ministry as an elder, that the Lord might uphold their wives. That's hard. It can be very hard on a family. So pray for that. Pray as well for their provision for their household. Unless one is either been blessed with the opportunity to have some sort of a great platform or is running a monumental grift, pastoral ministry is not a pathway to riches. So pray that the Lord might provide for those pastors. As Paul has said, he said uh, <clears throat> that, uh, as, as is said in other letters, that um, they must ensure that they are able to freely preach the word of God. And thirdly, for their pastoral care, their responsibilities. As we have said that They might carry out their responsibilities faithfully and truly. Might be uh, praying for God, being faithful to the ministry of prayer and the word. Faithful to the word, faithful in prayer. As we have mentioned quite a bit in this message. On another element that I skipped over here in my notes is on with regards to the domestic needs. You can also pray that um, your pastors, those pastors are often a type A personality who um, look at sleep as a necessary evil, would actually take time and get the rest that they need. Would take time and um, take be able to take care of themselves. The Lord would put it on their hearts so to do. 
Again, I'm asking you for prayer for this in my regard as well in saying that. So we must be praying for those whom God has placed in our lives. It's a good practice, when it, as mentioned earlier from John Hyde, when there is someone that we are aware of for whom we think that maybe they're not doing things as well as they should, before we go and complain, that the first thing we do is pray. That might be good to do with regards to our elders. And being part of a network of churches, we should also be praying for those in other churches. One of the reasons we have the uh, the um, Angelica Runstatler at uh, uh, at King's Cross had the idea of asking the various different fire churches to send out a weekly prayer request. This was an idea of a member at King's Cross Church. This is not a fire initiative. Fire as a board is not permitted to initiate any ministry. It has to be done at the, uh, at, at, at the level of member churches. And someone took a hold of that and reaches out for prayer needs for the various different churches. If you notice, in each one of those, in each one of those, they ask the, for prayer for the elders, that they might faithfully carry out their responsibilities. So we should be praying for those churches with whom we are connected as well, as well as other churches of which we are aware in different ways. He also mentions this in verse 19, I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. The author here is asking for prayer that they could be restored to them. That is in person, be able to be with them. This leader is in a position, this writer is in a position where they are not able to be there. Maybe they are in prison. Maybe this this writer is in chains. Maybe has been sent to another different venue. We don't know. But either way, this author wishes to be restored with this body of believers to whom he's writing. And later on, we see that uh, you should know that our brother Timothy has been released with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Indicating if he's been released, it could very well be that he was uh, whatever it was to be not released. He was not released at the time. But here we see a sense in which he is asking for the Lord to be pleased to open up that door to be there. There is a recognition here that God in his sovereignty, according to his providence, arranges those things for us. And so in all things, we are submitting ourselves to God's will. Asking that we might be submitted to the circumstances that God in which God places us. And submitted to his hand, submitted to his care those circumstances in which he places us. He is, he, this writer is accepting those circumstances, but at the same time expressing a desire to be there. And so being in prayer that the, the elders would accept the circumstances in which they are, at the same time wishing as they might desire other things. At this point, as, as an elder, I have, I'm not, pray, you know, don't pray that I might be restored to you because I'm already here. But the idea is that the Lord might faithfully carry out his will in our lives. So, brothers and sisters, as we uh, close today in our message, we remember 
that God in Christ, Christ who is the chief shepherd of his people, Christ who is the chief shepherd of Redeeming Grace Church and all of his churches throughout the world has placed in his body elders, pastors, bishops, whom he has given us for our own good, our own growth, whom he has given us for as oversight of our souls. Let us be those who make their job, make their responsibilities, their pastoral care, one that they do with joy, not with groaning, obedience and submission, and praying. So brothers and sisters, let us pray for the elders whom God has placed in his churches. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that our great chief, our great shepherd, Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd of the sheep, that he, we thank you that he has appointed people to watch over our souls. We pray you would help us to be mindful and attentive to the true teaching of your word and that we might be in constant prayer for those whom God has placed. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.